Welcome to the Parkway Fellowship Podcast. We hope that God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Mike McGowan. You know, when I was in college, I uh, had a good friend. His name was Alex, and he was a ministry student like me. He was studying to be a pastor just like I was. And uh, now, Alex, though, was way farther along spiritually than I was. You know, for instance, I remember one night uh, we were at Denny's. It was about 11.30 at night. We were just getting ready to order, which, by the way, you can do that when you're in college. Like, I can no longer do that. Like, I would hurt for, like, the rest of the night, right? So, um, so anyway, so 11.30, we're ordering our food, and I order, and Alex just orders water. So I leaned over, I'm like, hey, bro, it's okay. Like, if you need me to spot you some cash, like, you just pay me back later. And then he was like, no, no, no. Like, that's not it at all. I fast one day a week so I can be closer to God. And I've only got 30 minutes left in my fast. Like, I just, I just stared. I didn't even know what to say. Like, I never even heard of anybody doing this. And so, you know what? When someone um, has elevated their game spiritually and they're at a higher level, I do what you do. I tried to talk him down to my level, okay? So, yeah. So I was, so I told him, I was like, I was like, okay, but look, you're not doing any praying in these next 30 minutes. You're not gonna do anything in the next 30 minutes to be closer to God. So why don't you just go ahead and eat with the rest of us? So here I am, one ministry student, trying to talk another ministry student out of his commitment to God. Okay, like, how messed up was I, right? Well, anyway, um, so fast forward seven years. Uh, I've finished seminary, and I'm on staff at a church. By now, I know that Alex has finished seminary, and he's probably on staff at a church somewhere, but we've lost touch, and so I contact a mutual friend, and I say, hey, you know, where's Alex? I'd like to talk to him, and my friend says this. He says, well, you know, Alex has walked away from the ministry. And he's walked away from God. And he's walked away and doesn't even attend church anymore. I was like, what? What happened? He said, well, he got to seminary. And he started studying about the Bible. But stopped studying the actual Bible. And over time, his passion and his desire and his heart for God faded away. And and my heart broke for him. Now, I believe that the Bible teaches that Alex is still a Christian. He's just not an active one, okay? But what I've learned is this, is that it's not how you start that matters. It's how you finish. It's not how you start that matters. It's how you finish. And, you know, what is it about a person that allows them to start a relationship with God and then just continue and never miss a beat? Because look, we all have known people who've started out really on fire for Christ, excited about God. Maybe they've even made some radical commitments to God along the way. But then they flame out somewhere. And they, it just stops. But yet other people 
that they just seem to gain momentum and they grow deeper the farther they go. So what is it that one person has that another person doesn't have? What is it that sets that person apart? How do we stay on top for the long haul? Well, today, we're going to look at one king who shows us how. So let's go ahead and put this map up here. Last week, we studied five kings who all ruled in the north and half of the country. We know that at this stage in history, the country has been split into. There's a northern kingdom, the kingdom of Israel. And last year, one of the kings we looked at was King Ahab, who earned the title as most evil king yet. Well, today, we're going to study one king who ruled in the south. He ruled in Judah, and he becomes the most righteous king Israel ever had. Even more righteous than King David. And what's his name? His name is King Josiah. Josiah ruled from 641 to 609 BC. And what is it that uh, made Josiah rise to power? What made him rise to power? Is that he was placed on the throne by the people. He was placed as king by the people. Here's how it happened. His dad, Ammon, was the previous king, but yet he was very evil. Some of his officials conspired to assassinate him, which they did. By the way, like how messed up is this, is that whole line of thinking? You know what? You're so evil, we're going to assassinate you, and that makes us good. Like, so anyway, so the people find out what these officials did. So the people have the officials executed. The people then place the king's son, Josiah, on the throne in place of his dad. But here's the thing. Josiah is only eight years old. Eight! I mean, can you imagine a second grader in charge of a nation? Yeah, we'll get ready because no matter what happens, that's what's going to happen in November, okay? Like, no matter how it turns out, right? I just couldn't stop myself. I just, I really, I just couldn't resist. See, the Bible's so relevant, right? Okay, so what made him fall from power? What made him fall from power is that he was killed in battle. Now, this is actually not a bad thing. This is not God's judgment on his life. He was doing what kings are supposed to do. He went off to battle. Uh, If you know the story of King David, the reason he committed adultery with Bathsheba is that he did not go off to battle like he was supposed to. So Josiah was doing what kings were supposed to do. He was fighting for his country. And so this isn't God's judgment. It really is more God's timing because it was time for his reign to come to a close. And Josiah had been ruling a long time. He ruled for 31 years. And get this, he was faithful and righteous the entire time. Well, how did he manage that? How did King Josiah stay at the top spiritually for so long. What did he do that other people didn't do? And so how can I stay at the top of my spiritual game for the long haul? Well, two key lessons we learned from Josiah. The first is this, is that I need to yearn for scripture. I need to yearn for scripture. Now before we read the passage, let me set the stage of what's going on, okay? Josiah has been king for 18 years. 
Now, probably his mom and some of the officials were helping him rule since like he took over when he was eight. Josiah is now at an age where he is taking the reins for himself because he's old enough. Well, the second thing you need to know is this, is that all of the previous kings were so evil that the book of the law had been lost. Josiah had never read it. He had never even heard of it until this day. Look what happens. In 1 Kings 22, beginning in verse 8, it says, Hilkiah the high priest said to Shaphan the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the temple of the Lord. He gave it to Shaphan who read it. Then Shaphan the secretary informed the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And Shaphan read from it in the presence of the king. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his robes. Okay, now pause right there, okay? This was a sign of great sorrow. It, it symbolized something of great value being torn from a person's life, okay? Essentially what he was saying is that King Josiah, he realized that the nation had become so corrupt and so evil and so disobedient to God that they had, they had torn themselves away from God and he was afraid that God was going to tear himself away from the nation. Okay, so uh, verse 12. He gave these orders to Hilkiah the priest, Ahikam son of Shaphan, Akbar son of Micaiah, Shaphan the secretary, and Asaiah the king's attendant. And here's what he says, verse 13. Go inquire of the Lord for me and for all the people, and for all Judah about what is written in this book that's been found. Great is the Lord's anger that burns against us because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book. They have not acted in accordance with all that is written there concerning us. Chapter 23. Then the king called together all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. He went up to the temple of the Lord with men of Judah, the people of Jerusalem, the priests and the prophets, all the people from the least to the greatest. He read. I want you to circle those two words. He read. It's very important. He read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant which had been found in the temple of the Lord. The king stood by the pillar, renewed the covenant in the presence of the Lord to follow the Lord and keep his commands, regulations, and decrees with all his heart and all his soul, thus confirming the words of the covenant written in this book. Then all the people pledged themselves to the covenant. Now look, it's very significant that the king, he read, that part I had you circle, that he is the one that read the scriptures to the people. Because look, this was back in the day when the king, he didn't do anything for himself. Like, he had people that would call the nation together for him. He had, there were people who would read the edicts or would read the laws for him. But look, what was happening on this day was so significant. What was going down and what he was reading was so important that the king himself read the law. Now, think about the logistics of that, okay? The law is a reference to the first five books of the Old Testament, which means that he read all 50 chapters of Genesis... 40 chapters of Exodus, 
27 chapters of Leviticus, 36 chapters of Numbers, and 34 chapters of Deuteronomy. All in all, he read 187 chapters of the Bible in one sitting to the people. Now, you know what this is, right? This is the first filibuster in history. Yeah, I mean, that's essentially what happened, okay? But all right, but seriously, you, you know, what this, know what this shows us, don't you? It shows us that Josiah had a passion for the scriptures. That he had read them for himself and it ignited a fire in his heart and a passion for God's word. It's so strong that he yearned for more. That's what it says. And you know what? I mean, a, a lot of people find themselves in a similar situation as Josiah, okay? Not that you're like, we've lost the Bible, because that's not true. Like in America, you can get a Bible easily. In fact, I mean, you can down, download one on your phone in a matter of seconds, okay? So accessibility is not our problem. But the problem is, is so few people know what the Bible really says. Now, I mean, a lot of people know some of the headliner stories, you know, Noah and the Ark, Jonah and the Whale, Jesus on the Cross. But so few people know what the Bible really says about how to deepen and build faith and stay true over the long haul. And that puts us in a, in a very difficult situation, a situation similar to Josiah. But look, here's the thing. If you want God to bless your life, if you want God to help you stay on top just like King Josiah did, then look, then you, at, the, at some point, you have to develop a heart that yearns for the scriptures, just like Josiah did. And, but look, just the fact that you're even here at church today, it says a lot about you. It says that you've already taken some steps down that path, but today it's time to take a really big step down that, that path. It's time to take a, go a long way down that path starting today. Because for all of us, God is saying, hey look, I want to develop you a heart like Josiah. And so God's waiting for us to say, okay, Lord, develop in me that kind of heart. Give me that kind of a passion for your scripture, for your word, so much so that it changes me just like it changed him. And it births in me a desire and a yearning for more. That's what it's about. That's what it says. Okay, true story. Actually, all of my stories are true, okay? So... So this is yet another true story, okay? Another, yeah, another true story. Um, a young boy named Billy, 13 years old, um, his family doesn't go to church. He doesn't own a Bible. He's never been to church his entire life. He um, walks into PE class, and it's a little bit early, and it's before they're about to play some basketball, and the PE teacher uh, says to the, they're just talking, in the, and he says to the, to the boys, he said, hey, you know what? 99% of the people that believe the Bible have never read the Bible. Well, Billy kind of took that as a challenge. So after class, after basketball practice, he went to the coach and he said, hey, you know what? Uh, do, you, do you happen to actually have an extra Bible? And he said, yeah. And he gave him one. And so Monday morning, Billy shows up early to school. And he goes and he finds the PE teacher. And he says to him, he says, you know what? I want to become a Christian. And the PE teacher says, hey, that's great. I mean, I'm a Christian too, but, but what led you to that decision? 
And Billy says, well, I took that Bible that you gave me and I read all of it this weekend. And if that book is right, then my life is wrong because I have been living my life without any regard for the God described in that book. But I also read that he has a son and his name is Jesus. And he died on a cross to save me from the consequences of my sin. And I read that if I had accepted him into my life, he would forgive me and I would go to heaven when I die. So I want to become a Christian. And this PE teacher just was stunned because the truth is, he hardly ever, if ever, read his own Bible. He mostly just listened to the preacher read it on Sundays. But here, this 13-year-old kid, Billy, read the whole thing in a weekend and had his life changed. I mean, it's incredible. And the reason I know that this story is true is because Billy told it to me personally. Because Billy was my New Testament professor in seminary. And he has had a love for the scriptures ever since that day when he was 13. And his heart continues to yearn for more. And here's what I've learned about the Bible from Billy and from King Josiah. Here's what I've learned. That the more I read, the more I grow. The more I grow, the more I want to read. That's, I, I'm telling you, that's been true in my life. And it has been true of every spiritually mature person I have ever known in my entire life. That the more I read, the more I grow, but the more I grow, the more I want to read because it just bursts in me a desire to want and know and yearn for more. And it, look, even the Bible confirms this. It says in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, it says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. And this is where we read the word of Christ. It's in the Bible. Now, if you're like Josiah and, like you, and you want to start reading the Bible, let me give you some tips to make it easier because, look, I mean, I don't really recommend doing what my, my seminary prof did and just binge read the whole thing over the weekend. Now, I mean, if you want to, knock yourself out. But if you're not up for that, let me give you some tips to make it easier, okay? Here's the first. These are your bullet points, okay? Start with Mark and read one chapter a day. I always recommend that you start with Mark. It's the second book of the New Testament. It's the shortest of the four books that tell the story of Jesus. It's only 16 chapters long. If you read a chapter a day, every day, you'll be done in just over two weeks. So it's very doable, okay? Second thing is this, is get the NIV version. And I recommend the Life Application Study Bible. Uh, NIV stands for New International Version. It's an extremely accurate, but yet still readable version of the Bible. It's written in modern day language. It's the version of the Bible that I always study from. It's the version of the Bible that I most often use in, in, in uh, sharing messages. So it's a great version. And my favorite uh, st study Bible is called the Life Application Study Bible. It's got little notes at the bottom of the page that help you understand what the scriptures say and how to put it into practice in your life. It's a great, great Bible. It's my favorite one, okay? Third thing is this, is that I need to commit to read the Bible, not books about the Bible. Remember my friend Alex? Like, this is why he went off the rails. Because he stopped 
studying and reading the actual Bible. Look, and I'm, look, I'm all for devotional books. I'm all for books about the Bible. But at some point in time in your life, you have to commit to read the Bible itself and not just books about the Bible, right? Okay. Second big thing we learn from Josiah is this, is that I need to respond to Scripture. I have to respond to Scripture. Watch what Josiah does in response to the Scripture. Check it out. Chapter 23, verse 10 of 2 Kings. Josiah sent some men to Hinnom Valley just outside Jerusalem with orders to make the altar there unfit for worship. This is a pagan altar, okay? That way, people could no longer use it for sacrificing their children to the god Molech. They had begun to do human sacrifices. They'd gone so far from God. He also got rid of the horses that the kings of Judah used in their ceremonies to worship the sun. And he destroyed the chariots along with them. Some of the kings of Judah, especially Manasseh, had built altars in the two courts of the temple and used and in the room that Ahaz had built on the palace roof. Josiah had these altars torn down and smashed to pieces. And he had the pieces thrown in the Kidron Valley just outside Jerusalem. After that, he closed down the shrines that Solomon had built east of Jerusalem and south of Spoil Hill to honor Astarte, the disgusting god of Sidon, of Sidon, Shemosh, the disgusting god of Moab, and Milcom, the disgusting god of Ammon. He tore down the stone images of four gods and cut down the sacred pole used in the worship of Asherah. Then he had the whole area covered with human bones. That basically defiled and unfit for worship. But Josiah wasn't finished yet. At Bethel, he destroyed the shrine and the altar that Jeroboam, son of Nebat, had built and that had caused the Israelites to sin. Josiah had the shrine and the Asherah pole burned and ground into dust. I mean, Josiah wasn't messing around, right? I mean, when he read in the Bible that God said, hey, worship no other gods but me, like he took that very seriously and he tore down every idol and he burned up every other option. Look, I'll just say this. For us, we need to have that same kind of commitment. Because look, if you want to stay on, stop, on top spiritually, look, then whenever you read this stuff in the Bible, like, you have to respond to it. Okay, look, in other words, let me say it like this, okay? Um, the Bible is not just for information, it's for transformation. Look, the, I don't want you just to know more, I want you to do more. And yes, when you read the Bible, you are going to gain knowledge. You are going to know more stuff. But look, it cannot stop there. At some point in time, it has to filter down into your heart and change your behaviors. It has to change you. It has to change you. And I'm telling you, God will use the Bible to transform your life. Look at this incredibly important verse. It's in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. It says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. I'm telling you, 
God will use his word to transform your life. Look, that's why this is the number one selling book of all time. I mean, maybe you didn't realize this, but did you know that the New York Times leaves the Bible out of its best-selling books every week? Did you know that? And the reason it does is because ever since the New York Times started its bestseller list, that first week that it did, the Bible was number one and has been number one every single week. So they automatically leave it off because how boring is it to have a list where there's never a new number one? And so they just exclude it automatically. And the reason the Bible is the number one bestseller of all time and there's not even a close second is because this book changes lives. And the reason it changes lives is because it's God's word to us, to you, to me. So, if you're going to be the kind of person that's going to stay on top spiritually for years, then you've got to be the kind of person that responds to Scripture. Look, that when you read it, when you read something, you change. When you're convicted of something, you stop. When you're motivated by something, you do. That's what it means to be responsive to Scripture, okay? And look what the Bible says about Josiah at the end of his life. It says this, it says, Neither before nor after Josiah was there a king like him who turned to the Lord as he did with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his strength in accordance with the law of Moses. Don't you want God to say that about you? I mean, I want him to say that about me. But in order for that to happen, we have to do what Josiah did. We have to yearn the scriptures and as we read them we've got to respond to them and change to bow your head let me pray for us all heavenly father i want to say thank you thank you for josiah and his example and what he did and i know that he is with you in your presence now and how you use his life to reach across the centuries, inspire and motivate us. And so God, I ask that every person listening to me today, that you would kindle in their hearts a desire to know your scriptures, and as a consequence, to know you. And God, that you would help all of us, not just to read about you and about the Bible, but God, that we would read the Bible for ourselves and you would use that to help us be the kind of people that gain momentum and grow deeper throughout life. And so I pray that you would help all of us to make that kind of a commitment and bring us back next week so that we can hear more and ask you to do all this in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more.